something is wrong, and it's time to stand up. You are listening to the John Age Show. Trust no one. Trust no one. Trust no one. You found it. You're here. You're headlong down the runaway train that is the Anomic Age, and I am your host, John Age. Happy to be back with you once again in the not-so-wee hours of the p.m. here on the east coast of uh, the U.S. Got a great guest coming up. We're going to speak with none other than Mrs. Pam Bartha today to get into parasites, wellness, and so much more. But before we do, please check out AnomicAge.com. Like all the likes, subscribe to all the subscriptions. We got uh, paypal.me forward slash anomicage, patreon.com forward slash anomicage as well. Uh, free iPhone app, free Android app, uh, free newsletter. What else we got for free? Uh, subscribe by email for free. So when you uh, put on the app on your phone, usually it works with no problem as far as giving you updates as long as you, you click yes. But I found the most uh, the most apt way to pull it off is just subscribe by email. It's way easier. It's just going to shoot you email every time, and then you can just hit unsubscribe if you want to do that too. It's no problem. But nevertheless, all that and so much more <clears throat> is available there at anomicage.com. I somehow got back on Twitter again, so I'm I'm new to Twitter for the first time in about four years. I'm back on there, and uh, recently on on Instagram, my wife kind of talked me into putting an Instagram account on there, so it's up there too. So, uh, nevertheless, all that and so much more at anomicage.com. So, not to waste any time, let's uh, let's talk about our guest today. Pam Bartha was clinically diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at the age of 28 and chose a non-prescription approach to therapy. Now, over 30 years later and still MS-free, she teaches others how to recover from disease by treating the parasites that cause disease while following a holistic approach. She's a health educator, speaker, coach, and the founder of Live Disease Free and the author of Become a Wellness Champion. Pam has coached hundreds of students over 15 countries in her Live Disease Free plan. Thank you so much, Pam, for being with us today. Thank you, John, for having me. Really honored. Oh, the the honor and the pleasure is all mine. I'm just so happy. Like I kind of said before, it's it's such a pleasure just to speak to like minded people. And I think if nothing else, it it helps everybody to figure out that they're not alone out there. You can you can have alternate views on health. You can figure out, hey, maybe this treatment is not the best, or you know, political, so forth and so on. It's just wonderful to speak with like minded people like yourself. Thank you. Thanks. And before we get into it, LiveDiseaseFree.com, the best site for people to follow you at? Yes, that's right. LiveDiseaseFree.com mm. is our website. Excellent. Well, I talked a little bit about this before the show, but I first saw you on the, the Kate Daly show. I think she was actually filling in for Alex Jones a couple weeks ago, and I loved your work, and I'm just so excited to talk to you. But it's really because it encompasses so much of what so many of us are looking at these days, where we're... We're finally, I think, finally people are going, maybe the the medical mafia might not be the, the best approach to, to all forms of, of maladies out there. And, you know, everything in your work with the naturopathic and the, the living free and sort of taking ownership of your, your own body is so integral to, I think, where we should all be as a, as a society, not just a country, because I, I know you're not in the U.S., but as a society, as a people, we got to sort of take take ownership of this. 
And I think your journey really speaks to that. Kind of give people a little little encapsulation of your own journey because I'm, I'm sure there's some people out there going, man, that sounds a lot like me. I'm, I'm in that same boat, be it be it cancer, be it Lyme disease, be it MS. I mean, it speaks to so many people's journey. Oh, it sure does. So at the young age of 28, I had been healthy all my life and I was raising a family. I had two small children and literally I was a little bit tired, like, you know, you're up at night with your kids, but nothing unusual. And then literally one Sunday afternoon, we were out in a park and I got this black dot in my vision. And literally within three days, I lost all vision in my left eye. I went to see an eye specialist quickly. They referred me to a university MS clinic on the west coast of Canada because it was such a severe case of optic neuritis, which just it was like I had a patch over my eye like that. And and I was 28, and I'm from the generation that when you're sick, you go to your doctor and they fix you. I've never been sick, but I just thought, oh, I'm in good hands. They're going to fix me. And so the expert, the neurologist there, he did all his testing, and he said, it looks like you have multiple sclerosis, because I also started to get some tingling and weakness in legs. And I didn't know what MS was. I didn't have any family members that had multiple sclerosis And he told me very specifically that he said, people are going to tell you about all kinds of snake oil cures, but as the expert, I'm telling you, there is nothing you can do to change the course of your life. With multiple sclerosis, some people become disabled more quickly, some people become disabled more slowly, but you will end up in a wheelchair completely disabled in time. And that was a huge shock to me, devastation, felt my life was over, and we, there's a mountain pass between where we live and that clinic. And so we drove through pouring rain. I cried all the way home. I just thought, like, how is this possible? You're healthy all your, like, 28 years, like, super healthy, active, slim, raising a family. And then all of a sudden, you have this incurable, mysterious disease that's taking over your body, and there's no hope for you. And my husband was 28, and he was going to end up having to care care for me. I'd be in a wheelchair. And how was I going to raise my kids? Well, very soon after that, um, like, I have a very strong faith in God. He's answered a lot of my prayers in the past. Mm -hmm. And all I had left was my faith. And so I just really begged for an answer. And I begged and begged for, like, you know, some kind of answer. And I just knew from past experience that he would bring some good out of this situation. That's what I felt in my heart, that he was going to bring some good out of this horrible, miserable situation. Then my mother-in-law gave me a book on integrative health. And this was in the 1980s. There was just like tiny little health food stores downtown in our city. No health revolution at that time. And that book was written by a medical doctor. And the doctor said that, All disease is stemming from infections in the body. So this book was written over 30 years ago, talking about MS, talking about all kinds of other autoimmune diseases, and basically saying that if you treat these infections, treat the parasites, that the disease process will stop and you'll have a lot of recovery. And so because I was given no hope following standard of care for multiple sclerosis, 
whatever this mysterious disease was, I decided to take a different path. I read another three books by other medical doctors in different parts of the world. One was in Canada, one was in Europe, et cetera. And they were all saying the same thing. They were all back in that time, again, over 34 years ago, they were really focused on candida, which mm-hmm. is a type of yeast, right? You may have heard of that. So I started... I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have support. I didn't have a doctor. I didn't have a naturopath. I just started to research. And the more I focused on learning about these infections and treating them, I was able to become completely symptom-free of MS. And I've never had another attack. And because I was so passionate and so excited that you know, I got a second chance to live my life, that was my mission, was to help others too. So... I thought I'd go back to school and go to university and I was going to be a, you know, an integrative doctor. And, you know, I also wanted to raise some more children. So I was being a mom and going to university. And I thought, no, a science degree is enough. And then I decided to go into teaching. And so I was a high school math and science teacher, but I coached people on weekends and evenings because that's where my heart was. I love kids. You know, I love working with them in schools, but you know, when you're, you have a passion, So, yeah, so long story short, I ended up, you know, kind of stepping away from my teaching profession, which this, I really see God has led me down this path of, you know, equipping me to do the work that we're doing today, to have the science background, understanding physiology and how the body works and microbiology and all of that. And then also having the experience of developing curriculum and, and teaching large groups of teenagers at a time. So we have now been, we, I've created this live disease free plan and it's, we've been hosting it for at least I'd say 10 years by now. It's evolved tremendously, but we've helped hundreds and hundreds of students in many countries around the world. And the whole strength of this program is number one, teaching people how to play an active role in their healthcare and treating the root cause of disease and, you know, and doing it in the most cost effective way, because now we're seeing that this integrative health can be really, really expensive. Also, people can spend one hundred to three hundred thousand dollars on their health and they're still sick. And what's really the biggest missing piece of the puzzle is not the newest supplement is not the newest diet. Really, what's missing, why people are not getting well is they've tried everything but they have not treated parasites yet effectively. And so that's the strength of what we do because that's really the biggest reason why we have different disease symptoms. We are out of balance. The microbes in our body are out of balance. We have too many disease-causing microbes and not enough health-promoting microbes. So we have students that have recovered from incurable diseases. I'm thinking of one in particular right now. She has been free of MS for nine years, hasn't had to see a neurologist for nine years. She's physically fit. She just wrote a book. She has a health food company. And so these are the stories. Or women that had, let's say, disease like MS and infertility, and they over, like Lisa May is a nurse in Ontario, and she has overcome multiple sclerosis, but also infertility. That's also linked with parasites. And now she has a family. So it's just so incredibly rewarding to see people getting their health and their life back. And uh, it's really by the grace of God we're doing this work. And that's so true. I mean, the spiritual is definitely the key 
God is definitely the, the power there. I mean, there's so much I could talk with with you about, but one of the things you mentioned that really struck me is the is the taking an active role in things. I think that was so key to your healing along with your faith. And it's something that so many of us have kind of gotten brainwashed into taking a very passive role in our health. I mean, we could go down the rabbit hole of the, the Flexner Report here in the States and just the, the adulteration of, of natural medicine into pharmaceutical medicine. But I think over the generations, everybody's really just taking this passive role where, oh, man, I feel a little sick. I'm going to go to the doctor. They're going to give me these meds. In a couple of weeks, I'll be fine. But I love what you did as far as just being an active taking an active role, being an active participant in your own health. And I think that's so integral and something that that people have got to sort of re-educate themselves is we don't have to go to the doctor for everything. Because, I mean, just a little on my own story here, I remember it was probably 15, maybe even 20 years ago, it occurred to me that every time I got sick, I went to the doctor, I got antibiotic and so forth, and it was just, it became cyclical. It was all the time. And I, I was researching, and I finally figured out, well, screw this antibiotic stuff. I'm just going to see if I can ride it out. It might take a little longer. And I did. And then, you know, that turned in this year and that year and so forth. And and I haven't had any antibiotics in years. And I've just taken the this organic stuff and supplements and vitamins and all that stuff. And and your body's pretty amazing. Your body can do some good stuff if you give it the right the right fuel. Absolutely. And we're living in a time where healthcare has become so complex and so expensive. And, you know, when you look at it, it's like nutritional deficiencies. It could be certain toxins, maybe lifestyle changes, but also parasites. And yes, we do need, you know, there, there is a use, a purpose for pharmaceuticals in crisis intervention. Absolutely. Like if you get, you know, in a car accident, you know, the, the medical system is wonderful, but in chronic disease, we're really in a bad position right now. We're in a place where we're treating all chronic disease, which is caused by parasites, but we're treating it with immunosuppressive drugs. And those immunosuppressive drugs make us weaker and more susceptible to other parasites and to more disability. It's turned into a multi-billion dollar, or possibly trillion dollar industries, whether it's cancer or MS or et cetera. So we're living with these infections and we're trying to manage the symptoms and with medications. And then we're also using these immunosuppressive drugs. And for example, just with the MS drugs, they're over $100,000 per year is what's being billed out. And then our neurologists are getting subsidized to prescribe them also. And people are suffering so terribly. They're ending up in care homes and they're dying years before and they can't live out their purpose like you know for a mom they're just locked in the house they can't be out with their kids they're not doing what they love to do and they really feel like they're not living their life and this is completely pointless and needless it's the, the it's simple it's very simple health is simple and it's it's just so antithetical to, to healing. I mean, a comedian made this joke one time where he basically said, you know, you go through all this treatment and all this hospitalization, and then they say, yeah, just relax and recover. And it's like, you can't do that. You just, you're in a hundred thousand plus dollars worth of debt, even if you got insurance sometimes. So I think it, it's very cyclical. They want the customers, their customer base to still, to still come back. They don't want to cure anything. They just want to keep you... No. Sort of, sadly, um, like a like a common street drug dealer. They want to keep you coming back for these meds or for these treatments. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, 
we're it's turned into a sickness industry and and then when covid happened that really like i caught on pretty quickly to a lot of things that were wrong with it because this is the world that i live in so this is the world where you know i i see the injustice in in how our healthcare system is right now i honestly believe that our doctors they're trained you know you go to school for 10 years and they tell you a certain thing you really believe it but you know they're not allowed to look at live blood or they don't look at live they're discouraged to they Every, everything is specialized. You go to, oh, you think you have parasites, you go to a parasitologist. The tests are so poor. Our, our doctors are told that the parasites are only an issue in third world countries, not in or in underdeveloped countries. They're not present in the developed countries. And that is so untrue. They're present in our pets. Their parasites are on our produce that comes in. There, if you eat in a restaurant, somebody who's making your food, they might have parasites. There, if you're out in the soil, you know, walking barefoot, they're everywhere. They're part of life, and we've ignored them for so many years. And I really believe that at the top of our healthcare system, that that was done intentionally because if you don't treat the cause, the parasites, you have, like you mentioned, you have a customer for life or as long as they can handle these different parasite drugs. So there's like we started off again with treating or helping our students to recognize fungal infections in the body. They're always present in chronic disease. But then about 15 years ago, we learned about the Lyme infections, the Lyme disease infections, the co-infections that they're called vector-borne infections. They travel together and you get them from biting insects, not just horseflies or sorry, not just ticks, but horseflies and mosquitoes, any biting insect and then just in the last five years or so, that's where we've really started to learn more about the different types of worms and protists. And my goodness, like our students, the sicker we are, the more infested we are with different types of worms, whether they're large round worms up to two feet in length or bigger and flukes, which are flatworms. They can be intestinal flukes, which are three inches or bigger. They can have liver flukes, uh, tapeworms. And then the protists are single cell parasites, and they are really linked a lot with cancer and uh, just lots of other different types of diseases, like even malaria. And I was just shocked. I didn't realize malaria was actually an issue in the United States years ago. Uh, and I, that was something that I learned. So instead of trying to, we don't have good tests. So instead of trying to figure out which parasites we have, what we do is we get ready to treat. So we support the body. Uh, we want to be feeling better before we start treating, especially if you're quite sick, if you're pre-diagnosis or if you're dealing with chronic disease, it's really important to first build yourself up before you start treating or else you feel lousy. But Diet is super important. I know you wanted to touch on that. I'll talk a little bit more about diet in a minute. But we follow a low-carb diet. It's called the Live Disease-Free Diet. Mm -hmm. And the parasites, their favorite food are carbohydrates and simple sugars. So as you decrease the carbs and simple sugars, you notice a lot of decrease in inflammation and a lot of symptom improvements, dramatic symptom improvements. Like one of our students just now in the program, um, they very often with MS, they have diplopia, which is their eyes are wandering. 
And just with diet, like her eyes are able to focus on people. That's a huge thing, right? So the parasites are still there, but they're less active and you start to have people can start moving limbs, uh, their bladders better, they're sleeping through the night. So those are things we can do. And that's something that anyone can do. You don't have to go to a specialist. You don't have to spend a fortune. I mean, you have to eat healthy food, but, and food is expensive these days, but it's something that is so simple to just make some dietary changes to decrease the inflammation, to start feeling better. And then we support the body, making sure we're having daily bowel movements and we're having at least eight hours of sleep per night. So our students are feeling a lot better before they start to treat. And that's really important because they will tolerate the treatments better and they'll be able to recover more quickly. And so then instead of trying to figure out which parasites they have, they get energy tested to see which of the commonly prescribed parasite drugs test the best for them. And this is through some type of energy testing, whether it's a chiropractor that does applied kinesiology, it could also be a, a naturopathic physician that does some kind of with a machine or with advanced muscle testing. And so we base our plan on our symptoms, our diagnosis, the symptoms of our the health history of our parents and our health history, and then also uh, which parasite drugs we test well for. And our students usually, again, like when we're not feeling well, it's usually not just one worm or one protist. It's, it's called you're out of balance, right? And you could have some bacteria that cause, they're called pathogenic bacteria. You could have some protists. You could have a couple of different types of worms. And the scientific name again is dysbiosis. You're just out of balance. So what, that's why there's never going to be a single pill cure for any disease because it's not just one microbe or one parasite that's causing the problem. So our students usually, I work with the sickest of the sick. So ALS, PLS, Parkinson's, MS, but also people that are pre-diagnosis, they're like, okay, something's going on in my body. I can't get an answer. I really believe it's parasites. I need you to help me to build a plan. And so they usually test well for three to five parasite drugs. And again, we, we help them Again, first of all, making sure we go through the prep phase, we have a lot of success. And then when we're starting to treat, you know, bringing things in slowly so people can continue to work and function. You don't want to be flatlined on the couch because you feel nauseous and you feel tired. Uh, we want to avoid Herx reactions. But it's so incredibly shocking when you pass them because you just feel so normal. And you it's just, it is absolute. Because I've even done this myself, like in Canada, my doctor would say, oh, you think you have parasites? We'll do a stool test. You do a mm -hmm. stool test, nothing shows up. And you don't have parasites. Oh, you, you haven't traveled either. No, you don't have parasites. That's the end of the story. But for me, I've known that I've had parasites all my life, and I've been managing them enough to be MS symptom-free. But once I learned the skill of how to treat parasites, I did it myself. And it literally takes like 10 or 15 years off. of You just feel that much younger. It's okay. just absolutely shocking. And so the problem is that because we ignore parasites, then as we get older, we become more and more infested with them. They're just part of life, right? We are exposed to them. We deworm our dogs, our cats, our horses, but we don't deworm ourselves. And then, so then by the time we're elderly and we're in care homes, we are like 
literally infested. And those are the people that don't handle COVID well, mm. because these worms and protists and bacteria and fungi, they suppress our immune system. They make us weaker. And then we are more susceptible to whatever is in our environment, whether it's influenza, whether it is this COVID bioweapon, whatever, you know what I mean? Like it, we're just weaker and we cannot defend ourselves. And so that's why to, in order to make sure that we can handle, you know, the, the things that are part of life, but also the things that are being put upon us, you know, by very bad <laughs> uh, whatever yeah. we really we really have to be strong inside and yes we need to exercise and we need to eat healthy foods with lots of nutrition but we also have to learn how to manage the microbes that live in our body we have to decrease the disease causing microbes and increase the health promoting microbes so that we are strong and mm-hmm. that's the bi- biggest missing piece of the wellness puzzle is is really understanding how the microbes that live in our body, how they impact us in sickness and health. That's so wonderful. And I'm going to kind of selfishly ask this question because you mentioned sleep and I want to talk about sleep a little bit. I'm going to come back to the, to the nutrition because I think that's, that's one of the cornerstones of this. But for me, I'm the worst about getting no sleep. I'm very nocturnal and I'll stay up till three in the morning and yeah, man, I got to get up again at seven or whatever the, the devil it is. And, and I know it's bad, and I know I'm not the only one doing it. That's why I want you to sort of speak to to the importance of sleep in this whole thing, because I know your body does need that time to recover. Is there is there an optimal time to sleep? What's the, the detriments of, of lacking this sleep? I mean, I know the recovery and rebuilding cells a little bit, but you can speak to it better than me. It's really simple. Your body needs sleep to have a strong immune system. So if you're sleep-deprived your immune system will be weaker. And then you basically the parasites will take over more quickly. So it's an aging effect. And that's why, you know, having optimal sleep is really important for immune function, for many other things to cognitive function, etc. But your immune function is greatly impacted by uh, and even your so your intestinal health, because we know that a lot of our immune system is in our digestive tract, like a lot of it is there. And so when our immune system is weaker, it's not going to be dealing with the parasites as well. And they're going to grow more quickly. They're going to produce more poisons. We're going to have more inflammation. And then we end up with disease labels. And then we have to take certain pharmaceuticals to manage our disease. Yeah. Well, that makes perfect sense. And to to kind of get back to the nutrition thing, sorry to sidetrack us a little bit, but I mean, there's been so many different memes and just just your own eye can see this. If you look at pictures of the the average person, we'll say American, Canadian, what have you, 30, 40, 50 years ago even, people were slim, people at least looked more in shape. I don't think we saw as many instances. I mean, people could contradict and say, well, it wasn't diagnosed and so forth, but you sure didn't see the anecdotal evidence of so many disease, so much dis-ease, you know, that's what that's all about. You didn't see that 50 years ago. And juxtaposed to today, I mean, the obesity is off the charts. We got mental health issues. We got cognitive issues. We got every, every dis-ease under the sun. 
is is here at the forefront of so many people's lives. I would say almost everyone knows at least one person that is dealing with one of these chronic illnesses, mental illnesses. I mean, just all over the charts here. And I can't help but think maybe one of these central factors is the food. Was Is there some huge change in the food from 50, 60 years ago to now? I mean, I know there is, but how's that manifesting? How's that causing all this? So people are eating less vegetables and fruit, for sure. They're they're eating more processed foods. There, there was this high fat, you know, you know, don't stay away from fat. Fat is bad. <laughs> so there was this, and you know, we our generation went through that. So people substituted healthy fat for processed carbs, and so now we're more obese than ever before. And even the produce that we eat, that we buy. If we're buying it from large stores, it's coming in from big commercial farms and they have these factory farming type practices where we're dealing with genetically modified. We're also dealing with picking the produce green so there will be a lot less nutrition in the produce. So we, between the parasites that are freeloaders and they're eating our different nutrients in us and then our food is so deficient in all kinds of vitamins, we're deficient for sure. So we're deficient in nutrition. We're out of balance with our microbes. The parasites make us crave the processed carbs like a food addiction, like a drug addiction. And it's just literally killing people. And going to like what we have for recovery, we have the live disease-free diet and it's really emphasizing the importance of so it's not keto because keto is a lot less vegetables and we really love vegetables. The flavor, the nutri- nutrients, the fiber is good for the good microbes. You want to build back your ecosystem, the good microbes. So we're having, we're working up to nine to 13 servings per day of vegetables, low carb vegetables while we're recovering from parasites. We're keeping the carbs down quite low, below 50 total grams of carbs per day. And People that are really sick, they find even going down to 30 total grams of carbs per day, it's just night and day. Their brain works. They're sleeping through the night. Um, they just, they're, a lot of their neurological symptoms are really starting to soften. And so this diet, we're going off of, of course, gluten. That's definitely understood that if you have chronic disease, gluten just doesn't work and dairy doesn't work. Butter is fine. And so we're, we're shifting our bodies to be more of a fat burner than a sugar burner our body will always maintain a specific glucose level to keep us alive. And so we're not going down to the keto level, but we're just finding this sweet spot of where we start to feel a lot better. And then once people treat the parasites and they have no more symptoms, they can increase the carbs a bit, but they probably won't go back to what they did before because you feel so different. And when you when you make some changes, and this diet is very satisfying, so you're not dieting, you're not starving, you're not just making yourself go hungry. You can eat whenever you want. It's very satisfying. But when your body is burning more fat and you have lots of nutrition and you still have the fiber for the good microbes, it's like an anti-aging diet. You just have more energy throughout the day. You don't have the crashes. You just have the symptoms fade away and your health, it's really supporting your health, promoting microbes. So it is, 
your taste buds change too. So you won't even like, I don't even enjoy sweet desserts. I haven't had them for so long. I haven't had alcohol for years and years. I used to love a glass of wine, but I'll have a sip of it. And it's like, I don't even like the taste of it anymore. So it's like, it's called liberation. It's Mm -hmm. called freedom. You don't have a scale in your house. You eat when you're hungry. You have energy all the time. You love what you eat. It's fresh. It's tasty. Sometimes eating in restaurants is disappointing because it's like, oh, that was not worth the money I paid for it. I can cook a lot better at home. It's nice to be out to socialize, but it's not restrictive once you switch. And then it's anti-aging. It it allows you to do your passions, to follow your passion. And you find what works for you. If If you're kind of a a person who is a high achiever and you really tax your body a lot, then you're going to want to follow the diet a little more strictly because it allows you to do more. Maybe you have more of a peaceful life where you are semi-retired and you're exercising and you're getting regular sleep all the time and all of that. Then you just listen to your body. But once you get the parasites treated, it's really important to treat them at least once or twice a year to prevent having an infestation in the future again. And this kind of with the diet and managing your microbes and living a healthy lifestyle, it's all important. You can extend quality of life for 20 years plus. And that's what we all want, right? We all want to, if we're here, we want to enjoy our life. Yeah. And I mean, this is kind of more of a selfish question as well, but is there a vegetarian version of this that's going to work for people or is is meat kind of a must have in this? When you're infested with parasites and we have worked with different students that were vegan and uh, vegetarian, it's very challenging if you have parasites in your blood, in your organs, in your central nervous system, and you want to follow a strictly plant-based diet, it's very challenging because you're not going to get enough amino acids. Like you'll, you'll have to eat a lot of carbs is what I'm saying mm. in order to, to get what you need. So what we have found is that there are students that are vegetarian that will have maybe a little bit of chicken or fish or maybe just fish or eggs. And the the thing is that it's really easy to lose weight when you're decreasing your carbs and we don't have the legumes or the dried beans at the start because there's a lot of fiber in them that we don't digest well and that would be food for the parasites inside of you so again this is you know like this is working with the people that I work with that are really really infested and you know, in wheelchairs and suffering terribly or on the way to that and dealing with neurological symptoms. So having some animal protein helps them to maintain their muscle mass. It helps to like between fat and a little bit of animal protein, it helps them to keep their blood sugar more steady, the protein and the fat. And it, they just feel better. They are able to keep their weight on. But we've also found that if you eat too much animal protein, Uh, Like for somebody who's like, well, you know, it's not carbs, so I can just, if I need more calories, I'll just eat more meat. Your body will actually convert that to glucose. And so you can have a really significant increase in blood sugar Hmm. that will feed the parasites. And people can feel, people that have a parasitic infestation can feel absolutely awful if they eat a lot of meat. So there's that just happy medium, right? Where you're eating enough, where you feel good and you're, and it's really 
focusing more on the fat. Like mm-hmm. as you decrease the carbs, you're increasing the healthy fats. So, so our students will have at least, you know, four, three to four or more tablespoons of healthy fat with meals. Uh, it could be butter on their meat. It could be, you know, a good amount on their salads and butter on their vegetables. So they're adding in that. And it, like I said, it's a very satisfying uh, diet. And also with endurance athletes, they find that they can go a lot farther, a lot longer if they are doing this type of a diet where they're burning more fat than, you know, platefuls of noodles type thing there. It's a more sustained energy. Yeah. And endurance. So it's not just for the sick. It's really, you know, you find that what works for your body, uh, the level, but we're definitely eating too many carbs in the developed countries for sure. And we're paying a price for it. Absolutely. We are. And some of the biggest diseases, at least that I hear here, I mean, I think everybody's kind of seeing this rise in all kinds of gut illnesses, be it Crohn's, be it uh, gluten intolerance and, and all sorts of bowel issues that I, again, never saw as a kid. And also, and this may have to do with the weight, I know it does, but I wonder if parasites aren't a culprit here also, is diabetes. I mean, diabetes and and just gut illnesses seem to be just off the charts in the last 10 years. I don't know if you're seeing that where you are, but good grief, that's, that's, it's omnipresent here. So yeah, that's all that it is. We're really out of balance. We have dysbiosis. We all have too many parasites in our gut. And I think the biggest culprit, like what brought us to this place, there are many things that can impact our microbes in our gut, but the biggest is the overuse of antibiotics. Mm-hmm. So so for myself, you know, like, like my mom was out of balance. Um, I was on a lot of antibiotics. So you can also pick up parasites from the birth canal. But being on antibiotics, it really devastates your ecosystem, your health-promoting microbes. And sometimes for some of us, like I haven't been on an antibiotic for many, many years. The damage sometimes is done before the age of 10. And then you are susceptible to whatever parasites are in your environment. And then over the years, we eat the wrong foods so that we have the parasites, but we're under stress and we don't get enough sleep and we eat the wrong foods. And then for women, we have changes in hormone with pregnancies and, you know, being a mom. All of these different factors will impact the environment, will impact if the parasites become too infested, where we step into chronic disease or if we just suffer with gut issues. And with our students let's say somebody was diagnosed with MS, it's very common that somebody could have multiple sclerosis and diabetes or multiple sclerosis and cancer or epilepsy or uh, arthritis or inflammatory bowel disease, especially when we're using these immunosuppressive drugs. We get more and more different types of parasites getting a hold of us. And so when our students are following the diet, just even the diet, if they have MS and diabetes, all of a sudden they have no more diabetes symptoms. That's one of the first things that they're able to work off of that medication with their doctor. So mm. all of this is stemming from nutritional deficiencies, toxins, mm. and parasites. And most of the toxins are coming from the parasites that live in us. Yes, there are environmental toxins and there's heavy metals that we're exposed to now, but most of the toxins that are causing our inflammation the pain and agony we're going through is from the parasites. And a parasite is any microbe that lives in you and causes you harm. So it's worms, 
bacteria, fungi, protists, etc. Well, I know this is probably the elephant in the room for just about everybody, but the the COVID fiasco. <laughs> I remember when this whole thing first popped off, and I was hearing ivermectin by by the the health ranger and natural news and others, and I was like, okay, well that sounds bizarre because I know it's it's kind of this quinine derivative that's been all over the third world to treat malaria for so many years, and I was it just popped up on my radar, and I was like, what? What in the world is this being so beneficial for uh, this supposed virus that's just the most lethal thing, you know, since the, the nuclear bomb here? <laughs> they would have you believe anyway. Why in the world is this uh, ivermectin, an anti, anti-fungal, basically, anti-parasite drug, being so, um, so widely effective for this so-called uh, big killer, biggest thing since the nuclear bomb? You know, I mean, that's, that's my words, not yours. But what do you think uh, is going on there? I don't know if we'll ever know the full truth, but there, there are such wonderful, wonderful researchers and doctors that have been spending a lot of time in this area. So when COVID first started happening and in Canada, the doctors were not allowed to do any early intervention, like with anything except for just wait for the vaccine. We literally let so many people die. And then you hear of all of these hero doctors that were bringing, again, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine to the front, even neclosamide, alinea. There's, there's a number of parasite drugs mm-hmm. that really, really helped people. And then you start to think, well, what is, what is this? Is this a virus or is this a parasite? Like, why would parasite, in university, we were taught that viruses, they're not living. They're just some genetic material with a protein code and they just hijack your cell. And then you're just like, well, why would a parasite drug help? And so, you know, looking more and more of the wonderful work of, uh, I think it's uh, uh, Karen Kingston. Is that right? Possibly. Uh, yeah, Karen Kingston. Okay. Um, she's got an amazing substack. Um, she's a huge researcher. Her background is in pharmaceutical. But, you know, she has dug up so much and it it really looks like and and I'm I hate to say this, like I'm not the expert, I'm not the researcher in that area, but it it really looks like that this whole thing is not a normal virus. It is more like a bioweapon. And they, you know, what's what I heard from Karen Kingston from her research is that some of the sequences in it are actual sequences from parasites. So that's maybe why the parasite treatments are helpful. There's got to be some reason, right, why parasite drugs would be helpful for dealing with what we're dealing with. But and then also chlorine dioxide, that's another huge thing that has been so like this is the world that I live in. It's it's been so heavily censored. It's been so helpful. Like when we're recovering from parasites, the parasite drugs on their own are not effective enough with the doses we're taking. We're taking safe, effective doses. But when you're dealing with some of these really large worms or if they're in the central nervous system, there's limitations with using the parasite drugs. Like they help, but they're not an end-all, be-all cure and so we use a combination of the herbs, antimicrobial herbs, but also the parasite drugs and chlorine dioxide. And chlorine dioxide is another one that is like a, it's a, it delivers oxygen. So it's killing, it is very antiviral and antiparasitic and it's used in conjunction with the parasite drugs, but it is something that has been so heavily censored. 
like people are, I know of a, a dad and two sons that are in jail right now for telling people about it, not even selling it, but just telling people. The reason that I'm able to speak more about it is since COVID has happened, there is a Dr. Andreas Kalker has been able to work with probably at least 20 countries or more because they did not have access to the vaccines. Lucky for them. Mm -hmm. They're not the shots, whatever. And so they used chlorine dioxide solution to treat COVID with great success. And it's pennies. It's so cheap. And it's just literally bringing oxygen into the body and it just totally destroys the spike protein. And it's awesome. So Andreas Kalker has a website now there is a CommuSav, a, a professional association of researchers and clinicians all over the world. They're doing, you know, continuing education, teaching. So it's the cat is out of the bag. It's still suppressed in developed countries, but people can find information about it easier now. But it was just so underground before, and it, I was scared to talk about it. So I definitely don't talk about it on some of the main um channels but on some of them it's fine so yeah that's the truth needless to say we're not streaming on youtube right now so yes good i, was, I forgot to ask you that before no. so i'm still that would um, not like work, some sort of two-week restriction again or something they keep okay. giving me my second strike and just sort of dangling the uh the proverbial third over my head i guess i don't know but yeah, yeah. they don't like the word chlorine dioxide so oh, right. <laughs> oh, <noted. no. laughs> yeah might get you into trouble yeah, I've just started calling it uh, uh, PSYOP-19 for COVID-19. It sort of helps a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is something, I don't know if you, you're you even, this is in your wheelhouse, but it's something that I was really interested in, in anthropology land, I'll just call it that, because I was always really interested in the in the spirochete bacteriums and, and really just how it was in syphilis and bedrill and all these other um, transmissible diseases like that. And, and that sort of pinged on my radar because it, it's basically these little spirochete bacterium in the tertiary stages that'll enter the brain and cause all sorts of maladies uh, akin to Alzheimer's. And then that was in my radar. And then when COVID was going on and then the more people began symptoms of that, it, it said, OK, well, now they're having these um, specifically, I think, with the vaccine more than anything. But they're having these tremors and they're having these sort of dementia like states. And I went, hmm. That sounds an awful lot like uh, like COVID, <laughs> like excuse me, like uh, like the syphilis bacterium. And then, you know, we look at something like um, like Lyme disease, which is that same sort of bacterium. It's kind of the cousin to syphilis, if not the same darn thing, affecting in the same ways. And you know, my my last and ping, and then I'll let you talk here, is uh, with uh, the the TSEs, the transmissible spongiform encephalopathy, and you you saw that with with humans, and then you saw it in livestock. And one of the big things that I haven't heard anyone almost cover is uh, the chronic wasting disease that you're seeing with the wild deer, elk, and antelope. I mean, all over North America, and I'm sure if it's North America, we're, we're going into Central South, and if they can cross that land bridge over into, into the old world too. But all these are just sort of pings in my brain, and it seems to be something very similar causing these different ailments. And I wonder if it's not just uh, parasitic, if it's not some sort of worm, if it's, you know, am I off base here or am I pretty darn close? No, you're pretty close. It is some type of infection. And 
with our students that have multiple sclerosis, for example, they don't all test well for the same parasite drug. So it's like if a certain microbe is in a certain part of your central nervous system, inflammation will be caused there. So for example, Dr. Alan McDonald is a pathologist and he found small filarial worms in the in the spinal fluid of every MS patient that he studied, mm-hmm. very small roundworms. And those roundworms were loaded with Borrelia, which is the spirochete that causes Lyme disease. And there's over, there's at least a hundred years of many, many studies where they're finding these spirochetes in the central nervous system of MS patients. And, but it's not just that, they're also finding protist, like a, a malaria type protist, also a hundred years of research, many studies where they're, you know, when malaria came out in the States and they were treating people for malaria, people's MS symptoms were improving a lot. So that that's the frustrating part is that it's not just like, oh, it's just the spirochete that's causing MS in everyone, or it's just the protist that is like a malaria type protist. But there's, again, it's like we have to keep going back to the dysbiosis and it's like an ecosystem. It's just like if you have a forest, there's not going to be like one or two things. And so there's always going to be a few that get out of balance. It's not that hard though. And if you, if you do have, let's say you test positive for Borrelia, you test positive for Lyme disease. What we found with our students that have Lyme disease is if they just focus on treating Borrelia with antibiotics, they don't usually do very well. They usually have other parasites. And if you don't treat the larger ones, they will keep infecting you with the smaller ones, with the Borrelia, et cetera. So there's this whole interplay with, you know, different types of parasites. And then, you know, the bigger worms will release their parasites in you. And that's perfect breeding ground with their waste for fungus. So it's kind of like you have to look at it like an ecosystem for sure. Yeah, I didn't even think about the, the little parasites having parasites. That's pretty spot on. Good grief. I mean, I'll go sort of total deep into the pool here. I can't help but think when I was talking about the chronic wasting disease that no one talks about, okay, th- this is now going to infiltrate the the wildlife, so to speak. So everybody that thinks, okay, well, when the, the stuff hits the fan and the grid goes down, I'll just go hunt and forage. And, well, now we're going to encounter uh, – transmissible spongiform in the in the deer i mean this has been cited all over the u.s i think a few months back here in north carolina it was a few cases that they're finally admitting oh wow it's in north carolina well that means it's in georgia tennessee south carolina so it's everywhere so i think that's going to be a whole nother ball of wax that people are going to somehow it'll show up on the radar in a few years and of course big farm will come in and say oh well you've got uh, uh this tse disease don't worry Pfizer is here with another vaccine to uh, to mask those symptoms and give you some more while we can bilk you from some more money, you know? Well, it's really hard to know if it's like a, if it's a, the prion disease is if it's man-made or if it is just a type of parasite. Like, I don't know. Like, I and this is what like we're told certain things, just like we're told viruses are a certain thing. And then you start seeing what they're doing in the labs and the manipulation that's going on. And then you're just like you know, are viruses real? Like, cause in university yes. we're, we're told certain things, but is that real or, and I don't like to just be so skeptical, but with what's been going on over the past three years, people have to start being more 
skeptical. People have to start demanding, you know, more evidence and proof to back things up. And even with the prion disease, like, yes, it is hitting different animals in the wild and it's hugely concerning, but even just the genetically modified moving into the wild and, you know, we're destroying our, you know, we're really making a mess of our environment, which is really sad. And we have kids and we have grandkids. And so I really like what Karen Kingston said too. Like she's a huge researcher with all of this, you know, what's going on with COVID and, and bioweapon, et cetera. But she's like, I've got so much information. It's time to start doing something about it. Like we have to start taking action. We have to start, you know, telling our family members, sharing the information about, you know, the, the trouble you're going through, maybe it's parasites. Have you ever considered parasites? And, you know, with, even with COVID, like, giving them the information we we have to start bringing truths out we can't just only keep talking about the science <laughs> so yeah i mean i think kind of connecting back to just what you said in, in the very beginning it, it's you got to break away from what you've always been taught is this is what you do as far as the medical because one of the keys to all this this parasite load stuff is the diet and i think people have to sort of look at their own self, you know, in the mirror sometimes and say, okay, well, look, this is what I'm eating. How much of this is really food? <laughs> like, how much of this is natural? I, I mean, remember decades ago now, probably, at the store, they had spray-on blue butter in, in the in the dairy. And I was going, this can't be good. I mean, it's, it's blue butter in a spray, aeros- you know, come on, man. This, <laughs> But so often, I don't think people want to take ownership of their own their own problems or their own, hey, I might have created this by eating from the inside of the grocery store rather than from the outside. You know, they're, they're doing all that processed food stuff. But I think we got to sort of break that mentality and, and just say, OK, well, this is probably not the best diet, even though that's what I got taught was a good diet. Everybody got taught that food pyramid, kind of like everybody got taught that viruses are real and, and all this other mess. It's kind of to, to question the answers a little bit, I think. Absolutely. And like we are responsibility we are responsible for our health we cannot leave our health solely in the hands of any health expert because many of the experts they've gone to school and they've learned certain things which may or may not be important for you you have to learn basic simple principles so that you can recover get your health back and then make sure you never end up in this position again with disease symptoms or disease and that is one of the most important jobs that we have that's the truth and i might upset people on this one a little bit but i'll go with it i think we got to go biblically as well because you got to treat your body as a temple you got to remember hey gluttony is one of those things you're not supposed to do maybe we should um, cut back from the salad bar or excuse me from the from the hot bar probably not the salad bar but you know we got to start taking ownership of our own bodies and what we put into it and, you know, just like we're supposed to have dominion over the earth, I think we got to start with ourselves and, and get control of our, our own vices a little bit. Get control of that, uh, maybe another dessert, maybe some more ice cream. Hey, maybe not, you know. Absolutely. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and it, the food we eat, the, our lifestyle impacts our brain tremendously. It's also linked with all kinds of mental health issues. For many, many years, doctors have known that whatever's going on in the gut affects our mental health. So it's not just physical, but it's mental. It's it's being able to even engage in relationships and be loving 
you know, if you don't feel well and if you feel miserable, <laughs> it affects every aspect of your life. Indeed. And so much of this I know can be found at your website. Is there a way that people can can get in touch with you or can get on a, a specific plan or maybe talk to somebody that, that can lead them in the right direction here? Yes. So you can visit livediseasefree.com and we do have a little place where you can just send us a message there and just let us know what you're looking for. And we have some resources we can send you. The first one is really my masterclass training because it really explains, you know, how did we get to this place, like in different types of parasites and the steps we take to recover. I have a lot of free information on our website too. We've got a really awesome blog where I cover different topics every week. I go deep into really important topics. And so you can either listen by video or else you can read it quickly, whichever you prefer. So, and then we have the live disease-free diet guidelines on the website. I just actually last week did a live event where I just shared a lot of different meal ideas and and just the guidelines of the diets. To I, My goal is to just help people. And then if you are... And I share a lot of research about parasites and how they affect us. And if you're at the place where you're like, Pam, thank you so much. I got it. I've changed my diet. I'm feeling a lot better. But I want to treat parasites and I don't have anyone that can help me. Then we can help you in the Live Disease Free Plan. And we'll give you instructions on how to get started with that. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I love that you're you're sort of giving away some of this stuff. Because I know that there's people out there listening and they're, they're paycheck to paycheck. And they're like, man, it's all I can do to get get that food from that big box store. How am I going to get the organic food and the natural food and all this and that? But, you know, I, I think it's baby steps. They've got to be taken for sure. It is. And organic food is great if it is really healthy, like if it's green and has a lot of flavor, but it's not necessary to have all organic to get well. I It would be nice to have, you know, garden fresh organic food but not all of us have that so some people can't do all organic and they still do recover hmm. yeah that's good to know i mean it's kind of irony and funny but i've known a lot of vegans over the years and uh, some of them are the most unhealthy people they're actually obese because yeah. all they eat is it's vegan but you know it's oreos i think oreos are vegan so like yep it's a mess absolutely well, thank you so much once again, and I'll have all of your links and everything in there. If you'll stick around for about 30 seconds, I'll close things up here and uh, say goodbye to you off the air. Thank you so much, John. Oh, thank you, Pam. It's been a pleasure. All right. Well, folks, if you missed any of that, it's okay. You can go to anomicage.com. I'll have the video and the audio there for you. You can listen to it again. I highly recommend listening to it again. Take some notes, folks. You need to. But it'll be available there. As always, share the links if you are so inclined. And as I always say, you can't do everything, but you can do something. So please try to get out there and do your part and make that difference. Until next time, I'll be seeing you sooner than later in the Anomic Age. Thank you for listening to the Anomic Age, a John Age project. For past shows, further info, and to comment, go to anomicage.com. That's A-N-O-M-I-C-A-G-E.com. Till next time, thank you for listening to the Anomic Age.